Thank you, worship team. That was wonderful. That, that last song there, uh, it's one of my current favorites. So I really enjoy it. I, one of the reasons I love it is because it's based on part, partly on Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And, you know, I, 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 that's just such a wonderful verse that I've clung to many times because human logic says, let's get through all those enemies and then sit down at the table. And I don't know what, what enemies you're facing today. I don't know what's going on, what chaos may surround you, or what valleys you're going through, or what uh, mountainous obstacles you may be trying to get over. But uh, God says to you, hey, I've prepared a table for you right now. And you are invited to come and sit and be with me and rest in my presence while I fight your battles for you. So even though you may be surrounded by what feels like enemies, your number one job as a follower of Jesus is to sit at the table with the Lord. Amen? Yeah. So it's a pleasure to be here at Thrive once again. I don't know how many times I've been here now, but it seems to be around every year or so I come by. And, uh, and I really look forward to my time here because uh, this is a wonderful church, and JB, uh, wonderful pastor, good friend, and so it's, it's really great to be here. Thank you for having me. And JB let me know, Pastor JB said, yeah, so we have this sermon series, um, Your Best Decade Yet. So I just have a quick question for you. Um, how did your last decade go? How were, the 20, how were the 2010s? How many people here, like if you were to rate, uh, like kind of... Um, how many people here would say, my last decade was kind of a six or above out of ten? Yeah? And how many would say, well, maybe below six out of ten? Anyone? All right. So, okay. Well, so you guys have all had a, a good decade, or you don't remember the decade, because not all of you raise your hands. Uh, I know, it's, it's already been 12 days, so we've already forgotten what's behind us. Um, so as we look to the decade ahead, think about... Think about yourself in 10 years, in, uh, it sounds weird to say, but think about yourself in 2030, <laughs> right? And if you were in 2030 looking back at your 2020s, again, sounds weird to say, uh, what, what would you hope, like, what would you look back at and say, okay, this has been a great decade? Like, what, were, what are some things that you hope may have happened or you hope uh, you will be at in 2030 that when you look back, you say, it has been a great decade. What kind of things would you be looking for in 2030? Anyone? Success? Okay. That has many definitions, but yes, success. What else? Health. Okay. Uh-huh. Anything else? Happy retirement? Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, anyone else? Family. Like family around you? Yeah, that's great. Um, so as we head into this decade of the 2020s, as I was kind of thinking and praying about, well, what, what can I kind of bring to Thrive Church today? Uh, I, I kind of got this thought of maybe there are some foundational truths that we can, we can kind of collect ourselves around as we prepare for our best decade yet. Because every decade can be your best decade yet, right? 
And so there are some things that uh, I think if we can get into our minds and into our hearts today, it will set us up for our best decade yet. And so the first foundational truth about your best decade yet is that, you can go to the next slide, is that your best decade yet will depend, not might, it will depend on your obedience to God. Your best decade yet will depend on your obedience to God. James chapter 1, verses 22 and 25 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. One of the things that is going to make the 2020s your best decade yet is God's blessing, right? Now, because of his grace and his love, God has already unloaded tremendous blessings upon you, right? When you and I, uh, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, God immediately blesses us immeasurably. He gives us his very presence within our heart. He puts his spirit within us. What a blessing. You know, there, if you look back at um, characters of the Old Testament, prophets, who maybe have been anointed by God. People there would love, love the idea of God's presence, very presence within them. And yet through Jesus Christ, when we decide to make him our Lord, he gives that to us. He gives us his very spirit. So that's a tremendous blessing that, that he's given us. But he also doesn't just give us his presence. He gives us the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, right? We might think, well, okay, well, uh, I can present myself to God on the basis of this and this and this. Uh, I'm good here, but I've kind of failed here. And God says, no, that's, that's not the issue. Because when you decide to follow Jesus, God gives you the identity and the character of Jesus Christ. And so he says to you, if you have decided to follow Jesus, he says, you are holy and you are perfect in my sight, not because of how good you are, but because of Jesus Christ and how good he is. And all of a sudden, we are free from trying to earn God's favor and earn his forgiveness. That is the one biggest difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world says, do. Do this. Do this. Do this. But Christianity says, done. It's done for you. It's done for you. And now you can sit at that table, that banqueting table, in the presence of God because it's done. Jesus has done it. And when you decide to make him your Lord, he gives you his righteousness. He gives you his identity. He gives you who he is before God the Father. And you can rest. What a blessing. He also makes us a new creation when we decide to follow him. The old creation is gone. The old ways are gone. And he puts new things in our heart. So already God has blessed you immeasurably. More than you can imagine. However... 
as we continue to walk with God, and as we continue to obey the Lord, he continues to release blessings in our life. When we obey God, we experience personal transformation. That verse that we just read, it says, don't just hear the word, right? Hear it and do it. Sometimes in the church today, I've noticed that sometimes we base our discipleship uh, on, on information. We have this misunderstanding that to be a disciple means to know the right things. And if you know the right information, then you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. But that's not what the New Testament says. The New Testament says following Jesus, discipleship isn't simply based on what you know. It's what you do with what you know, right? So I can know a lot of the right things, but that doesn't mean I'm transformed. I can know my Bible back to front. I can memorize verse after verse after verse, and I can listen to godly sermons, but still not be transformed. If they're just things that I, if I walk into church, take my notes, and walk out with a, a fat notebook full of notes and knowledge, that doesn't mean I'm a disciple. It doesn't mean I'm transformed. No, transformation happens when you obey what you hear, right? Psalm 119 verse 1 says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Not just who hear it, who follow it. Jesus in Luke chapter 11 says, Even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. A, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus Christ, is someone who listens to, listens to, and obeys Jesus. If we are not interested in listening to and obeying Jesus, I don't think the New Testament would call us a disciple. We may be interested, we may be exploring Jesus, but we wouldn't be a follower of Jesus if we're only interested in listening and learning. You've got to walk it out. Your best decade yet happens when you commit to listen to and obey Jesus. Right? So first foundational truth, the 2020s, your best decade yet, will depend on your obedience to the Lord. When you make that commitment today to say, in my 2020s, I will do my best to listen to and obey Jesus, you are setting yourself up for the best decade yet. And that can sound like a daunting task. It can sound like an impossible task. Well, how can I, how can I listen to and obey Jesus perfectly? Well, I, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I have my struggles. I have my weaknesses. This sounds like very overwhelming. So that leads us to our next foundational truth. First foundational truth, your best decade yet will happen through obedience to the Lord. Second foundational truth, your best decade yet will be a partnership between you and God. So Philippians chapter 2, 
verses, that last, last half of verse 12 and all of verse 13 says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, because God is at work in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So again, we see this command to obey, but this time there's more. Your best decade yet is a partnership between you and God. He works in us with saving power, with with transforming power, and we work hard to show the results of that salvation, to show the results of his grace in us. And so the character growth and the strength that come from, from God's work in us who's giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him, is what is going to set your best decade yet in motion. You alone cannot achieve your best decade yet. But God will not magically make your best decade happen. It is a partnership between the two of you. He is working in you, and you are working to show the results of his work in you. It is a partnership. So the first half of the partnership is that God is at work in you, right? When we decided to follow Jesus, like I said earlier, God gave us his very presence. He came and he set up camp within us. The way, it, the way it's worded in, in the New Testament makes it this idea of he came and tabernacled within us, Right? Just like in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle where God's presence was, and Israel would gather around it. Well, in the New Testament, the idea is that he actually tabernacles within us. That's where he resides. And as soon as he did that, he began this great work of renovating our heart, right? Putting in new carpet, new pictures on the walls, painting over the stains of anger or lust or whatever else may be there. He paints that all over, he fixes it, he gets rid of it, and he renovates our heart. Now, if we were to explore the book of Philippians a little bit, right now these verses I read were Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. But if you were to go back to verse 5 of chapter 2, so Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus." So when you decided to follow Jesus, God gave you the mind of Christ. He says, it is yours in Christ Jesus. And if we go back even farther in Philippians to chapter 1, verse 6, we read that not only has God given you a new mind in Christ and a new identity, he has promised, Philippians 1, 6, he has promised to continue working in you until the day you die or until the day Jesus returns, whatever happens first. And as he works in you, and he'll never give up this work in you, he is going to begin to align your thoughts and your actions with the mind and identity you have already been given in Jesus Christ. So he gives us a new identity. 
But you know what? We're a work in progress. And so my actions don't always match the identity, right? I am holy in Jesus Christ, but I don't always act holy, right? I assume it's the same for you, but this is Thrive Church, so there may be some great people here that are much greater than I am. You are holy, but you don't always act holy. But God says, I'm going to be, I am in you, and I will not give up working in you. And I'm going to continue to align your actions with your identity. So I will never give up on this, never, until you come into my presence. And then you will be perfect in action and identity. God's at work. Your best decade yet is possible because God is at work in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, to operate out of the mind of Jesus Christ that he has already given you at your salvation. So that's God's part. God is at work in you. But the other half of the partnership agreement is, so work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, this doesn't mean work hard to earn your salvation, Right? It's, it's based on the fact that it's already being done. Now work hard to show the results of it. Your best decade yet is not just about God's work in you. It's not just this spiritual issue of God's presence in you. There's also a practical side to it, which leads us back to that issue of obedience. So practically speaking, if you want to have your best decade yet, What does your side of the partnership agreement look like? What does it mean to work out my salvation? To to work to show the results of my salvation. What does that look like? Well, as I said, those verses are Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Right after that, in verse 14, this is what Paul says. So, do everything without complaining, and without arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. And so, to have our best decade yet, you and I, are to shine in the middle of a twisted and depraved world. So how do we do that? How, how do I shine in the middle of this world? Or maybe better, better put, how do I let God shine through me in the middle of this world? Well, Paul tells us, by obeying God with deep reverence and fear and by holding firmly to the word of life. So everything that we are asked to do, from from putting on the mind of Christ, to to preferring other people above ourselves, to not complaining, not grumbling, to living clean and innocent lives, it is very peculiar. It's different. It's not the way the world lives. That's why Peter, in one of his letters, says that we are a peculiar people meaning that we are countercultural. We are different. Followers of Jesus are different from the world. But 
when we are peculiar, when we are countercultural, we begin to shine. Or God begins to shine through us. Because when we are peculiar, when we are countercultural, we have uh, set ourselves apart from twistedness, from wickedness, from greed, from idolatry, from all these things that make the world go around. Followers of Jesus say, no, there's actually a different way. There's a different way to live life. And you begin to shine, or God begins to shine through you. And so your best decade yet will be in part because you begin to shine as a counter-cultural movement to the way of the world. And even though we are the doers of our own actions, this desire to do it, I, like, I don't know, like, I'm assuming as a follower of Jesus, you, you are desiring to live like Jesus. You are desiring, I, obviously you're not perfect in the sense of your actions aren't perfect all the time, but you are desiring to follow Jesus and to obey Jesus. Do you know that if you desire to do that, that is a sign that God is in you and working in you. Because we just read that God is at work in you, giving you the desire and the power. And so even if you struggle or I struggle in the walking out of being a countercultural people, if we even want to, we can say, thank you, Jesus, for your work in me, for even giving me this desire. Because before you were a follower of Jesus, you didn't desire that. You had no desire to obey Jesus before you were a follower of Jesus. You had no desire to live different from the world before you were a follower of Jesus. But now that you are, God's at work in you, giving you that desire. So even if you and I kind of mess up occasionally on our actions, we can still say, thank you, God, you're at work in me because I want I want to do the right thing. Praise God. It's a gift that only God can give us. And that's why our best decade yet is a partnership with God. He gives us the desire and the power, but we actually do the actions. So it starts with God. It's carried along by God. It ends with God. But when it comes to our best decade yet, you and I have our part to do as well. So your best decade yet will be determined by your obedience to God. Your best decade yet will be a partnership between you and God. Third, the third foundational truth is that your best decade yet will not happen by accident. You won't accidentally stumble into your best decade yet or stumble out of your best decade yet. It will only happen with intention. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, in the Phillips translation, says, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. So let's just pause here for a second. How many people here in the last decade went to a gym at least once? Went into a gym? At least once. At least once in the past 10 years, you have gone to a gym. Okay? Or... If you haven't gone to a gym, maybe you went for a run, or you played a sport, or you went walking for exercise. Anyone? Anyone? 
Everyone has probably done that at least once in the past 10 years. So let me ask you this. Is physical fitness automatic? No, of course not. I don't just walk into a gym and all of a sudden, boom, I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? I just walked through the door and boom, I just like puffed up, grew three inches and about 60 pounds of muscle and bam, I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen automatically. But just like physical fitness doesn't happen automatically, spiritual fitness doesn't happen automatically. Your best decade yet will not be automatic. It will take time and it will take effort. And just like to be physically fit, you have to exercise, you have to develop some basic habits. That's true of the Christian life as well. Another translation of this verse says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That's the New American Standard translation. Or if we're going to put this into our context, discipline yourself in order to have your best decade yet. In order to have your best decade yet, we need to discipline ourselves. Have you ever been driving and tried to take a shortcut and ended up taking a lot longer? That happened to me, literally that happened to me last night. I was driving somewhere. I thought, okay, I can go this way. I drove there. It was like a dead end of some sort. I had to turn around. I had to get, get, pull over and get my Google Maps out and, and try and find where I was and where I was going. My shortcut took me about an extra five minutes to get to where I was going. And it was only, it was only supposed to be a 15-minute drive away. So I have done that. Maybe you have done that. We love shortcuts. We just do. Whether it's driving or anything else, we love shortcuts. We love to get somewhere more quickly and with less effort. We want to make money more quickly. We want to lose weight more quickly. We want to build muscle more quickly. Just take this shortcut and you will get the result that you want with much less time and much less effort. But when it comes to your best decade yet, shortcuts won't work. Character growth, spiritual maturity do not happen through shortcuts. And this is one of the things I think is really important for us. I'm going to go back to that song that we sang and God preparing that table before us in the presence of our enemies. Right before that, he, he says, uh, David, the psalmist, says, I'm not going to fear when I go through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to fear no evil, for you are with me. What happens when I get into the valley? What happens when you get into the valley? I want to get the heck out of there as soon as possible, right? No one loves going through a valley. No one loves a season of suffering. Nobody loves that. And so we try and escape the suffering and escape the valley as soon as possible. But sometimes God says, no, you have got to walk through this because through this valley, I am building strength and character and faith within you that you will not have if you escape and get out of there. Because if you do that, we're going to have to go all the way back to the beginning and start again until you are willing to walk through the valley. 
Which is why sometimes it is great to be in the middle of the valley and say, you know what, I need, I just need to sit at the table with the Lord. I just need to sit there. I need to rest. And I can be okay even in my valley. We don't like suffering. We want to escape. We want the shortcuts to character growth. We want the shortcuts to spiritual maturity. We want to get there. And we look for these shortcuts. For some people, they look for an emotional experience. If I can just get this certain experience, if I can just get this mountaintop high at this service, and I'm going to go over to, to, to this church service and this church service, I'm just going to chase these mountaintop highs all around because it feels good. And I'll grow. No, actually, mountaintops don't make us grow. I hate to break it to you. You don't grow really on the mountaintop. You grow in the valley. I mean, the mountaintops are awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love mountaintop experiences. But that's not where I grow. I grow in the valley. That's where you're going to grow. But we want shortcuts. So we chase those mountaintop experiences around. If I just get this certain experience, then my problems will be solved. Or other people look at their suffering and they say, well, if, if I just go to the seminar... If I just read this book, if I just listen to the sermon, if I just, let, just make this amount of money, then I will be happy. Then I will be all that God wants me to be. But shortcuts will not give you your best decade yet. If we are not intentional about our best decade yet, it will not happen. It will not happen automatically, and it's not going to happen quickly. Your best decade yet will take 10 years of intentional pursuit. You can't scrunch a decade into five years, right? Your best decade yet will take 10 years to accomplish. So having our best decade yet, being mature, being effective, being more faithful followers of Jesus takes more than just time. It also takes effort, right? To follow, we can follow Jesus for 10, 20, 50 years and still not be mature. That's what Paul says to the, or not Paul, sorry, that's what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 5. He, he says, you guys should be teaching by now, but you still need to be taught the basics. You should be feeding on spiritual meat, but you still need spiritual milk. You just haven't grown, So the amount of time didn't matter. It is time plus effort. If there's no effort, if there's no discipline, if there's no work, uh, no intentionality on our part, no, that means no awesome decade. No best decade yet. And so how do we set ourselves up to walk with intention into our best decade yet, right? Our best decade yet, It's going to be determined by our obedience to God. It is a partnership between us and God. It will not happen by accident. And fourth and final, your best decade yet will be formed by your habits. I love this quote I came across about two weeks ago. You can put it up there. People do not decide their future. People decide their habits, and their habits decide their future. Now, a habit is simply a regularly repeated learned behavior that requires little or no thought. 
right? It's the things that you automatically do, whether you are cognizant of doing it or not. You can have good habits like brushing your teeth. You probably don't think too hard about brushing your teeth because you do it regularly. It's a habit that you do. But we can also have bad habits like yelling when we're angry. It's just something that happens automatically. And the Bible agrees about the power of habits. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 says, Solid food is for those who are mature, who through practice have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Who through practice. Who through the repeated doing again and again and again of these things have now come to this place of maturity where they can recognize right from wrong. Jesus had habits. We read many times in the Gospels, his biographies, about how he would slip away early in the morning or even in the middle of the day, he would slip away to be by himself and pray. And he tried to teach his followers, his disciples, to do the same thing. Come away. Come away from the crowd so that we can pray and rest. So what kind of habits do you have? I think we can break down habits into two basic categories. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So did you catch this? If you want to have your best decade yet, Paul challenges you in two areas. He says, think about the right things and practice the right things, right? Your habitual thoughts and your habitual actions are going to form your best decade yet. He says, think about the right things and practice the right things, and then the God of peace will be with you. And so when we think about and practice the right things, we are set up for our best decade yet. So what do you think about? What do you practice? And I mean that. Like just, just reflect on this for a moment. Where do your thoughts go when your mind is idle? Do they go to negative thinking? Do they go to sexual thinking? Do they go to angry thinking? Do they go to woe is me, depression thinking? Do they go to worry and anxiety? When your mind is idle, what do you begin to think about? Because that is your habitual thought. Right? When you are concentrating on something, right, you are putting in effort to what you're thinking about. That's not habitual. It's when your mind is idle, when there is little effort or no effort. Where do your thoughts go? What do you think about? What is your habitual thought? Is it something that is true? Honorable? just, pure, lovely, 
commendable, excellent, worthy of praise? Or is it something else? And what do you mindlessly do when you're idle? Is it something that you have been taught in the ways of God? Or is it something else? How might God be inviting you today to dwell on the things that are excellent and worthy of praise? And these habitual actions, what you do when you're not really thinking about them, maybe, maybe today, God is inviting you, encouraging you to start a different regular practice. Like, why not start something new today to set yourself up for your best decade yet? A regular practice that will bring more of God's peace into your heart. Right? So maybe, maybe for some of us here it might be, you know what? I think that God wants me to get out into nature more. Because when I'm in the forest or when I'm at the ocean, I feel peace. I feel good. Maybe that's an invitation to you today where God says, I would love for you, I would invite you to get out and find me in creation more frequently. Or this might be something to do with scripture reading or praying. Could be, could be something as simple as, you know what, I think I'm going to read a chapter a day, five days a week. That's where I'm going to start. Like sometimes we feel compelled when we say, all right, I'm going to read four chapters every day, take notes, and you know, it's going to take 45 minutes, and we, get, we do that for, you know, while our adrenaline is high for about three days, and all of a sudden, boom, it falls off. And so my invitation for us, how I'd like to end, is at the time of prayer where you can set an intention for your best decade yet. What is maybe one first small step, something that is doable, not something that is like hugely out there, unless you really feel compelled by God to set that intention, but just something small. Because remember, like I said, your decade is going to take 10 years. So maybe don't start today where you want to be 10 years from now. Break that down into steps. And just start with the first step today. Start with something that you can do. So your best decade yet is going to depend on your obedience. It will be a partnership between you and God. It will not happen by accident, and it will be formed by your habits. Where does God wants you to begin today for your best decade yet. We'll take some time to pray. You can set your intention, and I would really encourage you, I would really encourage you to begin your statement, your intention, with two words. I will. I will. Not, my intention is to do this, hopefully. I will read a chapter from my Bible five days a week. I will get out into nature 
once a month. I will be among friends who lift me up and encourage me more often. Whatever that statement is, something small that begins with the words, I will. And then second, once you've determined what that is, at some point after the service, I encourage you to share that I will statement with somebody else. Because then it becomes real, right? Otherwise, it's just in my head, and if I don't do it, no one will know. But when I tell someone, there's a little bit of accountability there, and it's good, right? It's good, because it encourages us. Like, when I go to the gym, I'm much more likely to go there if I know there's someone there waiting for me, right? When two of us go, there's a better chance of us going. I love to run. My wife hates running, but she does it because she knows it's good for her. But if I weren't there, she probably wouldn't do it as much because she doesn't really enjoy it as much as, she, as, as I do. I'm there like, yeah, let's go. Come on, let's go. Woohoo! She's like, all right. And there are some things the other way around too. So let's just take a moment and pray. I invite you to close your eyes and take a moment to make some space in your heart to meet with the Lord. He's there, but even now you can just say, you are welcome here in my heart, Jesus. You are welcome here. I want to meet with you. I want to draw near to you. And so as you're there, meeting with Jesus in your heart, just imagine how happy he is to see you in this moment because he loves being with you. He loves you. It doesn't matter what kind of day or week you've had. It gives God great delight to draw near to you and for you to draw near to him. Great delight. He's happy right now. He is happy right now because you are with him. And just take a moment now and express your desire to him to have your best decade yet. And then take a moment and ask him this question. Jesus, what is the first thing that you want me to do in order to have my best decade yet with you? Then take a moment and listen to his response. And then take a moment and respond to him, beginning your statement with, I will. Thank you, Jesus.